0: All right. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. Uh, this is uh, Dave Everett. This is my wife, Sherry. Uh, we're going to be continuing our Bible study tonight on the New You and the Holy Spirit by Andrew Womack, and we'll be picking up at the in the middle of chapter three, uh, uh, which is called "From Life to Death to Life," uh, and then we'll be picking up on the section that's called uh, entitled. Never again, that's when we are picking it up, it's actually a short chapter, we didn't quite finish it last week. So anyway, uh, we also, just so you know, we have our Bible studies uh, archived on video format uh, through on our website, lighthousediscipleship.org, there's a couple different ways you can find it, the easiest is just go to our Bible studies page, scroll down just a little bit and you'll see all of our, our Bible studies grouped together. You can also go to our YouTube channel, uh, which is Lighthouse Discipleship Center, and all of our Bible studies and uh, teaching series are grouped together by playlists, and you can find them there as well. So anyway, uh, we're going to go ahead and just jump right in this this evening. Sherry will read and narrate for us, and then we'll talk about it. So again, we're in Chapter 3, of you're following this in your books, if you have one, and uh, in Chapter 3, cut the title, From Death to Life, and we'll be picking up in the section, Never Again.
1: God's standard of goodness is his own glory. We might have looked good compared to other sinners, but no one is holy compared to Jesus. According to Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Who wants to be the best sinner who ever went to hell? We all need a Savior. God declared everyone a sinner, but he loved us and wanted to redeem us. In doing so, he could declare everyone righteous who has accepted Jesus by faith. Regardless of how bad we were, we instantly became righteous through receiving Christ. Born-again believers, born-again Christians, same thing, No, they don't deserve salvation based on their own merits. It's only because they put faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. All other religions try to approach God based on their personal holiness, what they do for him. Christians approach God based on a firm heart belief in what he did for us. All of your sins were forgiven, past, present, and future, the moment you received the Lord. You are now eternally redeemed and have an eternal inheritance, Hebrews 9, 10. In your spirit, you became sanctified and perfected in God's sight forever. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Hebrews twelve twenty three, Sin will never be imputed to you, credited to, to your account, again. Okay.
0: All right. Thank you. Um, so, um, anyway... So again, we're talking about the new you. Uh, well, eventually we'll begin to the Holy Spirit part. But we're we'll talking about the new you. When you became born again, when you heard the gospel that Jesus died for your sins, you heard it, you believed it, and you received it. A lot of people uh, said a prayer or whatnot to you won't find a prayer in the Bible, but uh, basically, but I'm okay with the prayer. It's basically basically you hear the gospel, you believe it, and receive it. You might not understand everything, but you need to understand enough that he died for you and that he rose again. And uh, you might not understand all the detail about that and all of the significance. That's why we have a book like this. Right? That's why we have a Bible class like this. You know, God, God didn't call us to make converts. We're not just getting people to sign up the vote or whatever the case may be. We are making disciples. A disciple is a disciplined learner. Uh, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's more than a student. It's, that's probably the closest uh, analogy I can have to. It's, it's like a student. But discipleship is not just a one-time thing. It's not like you take a class and pass and you're done. There's a starting point, and that's becoming born again. And then we learn who we are in Christ Jesus. And one of the things we're learning is that when you receive Christ Jesus, and what we're learning in this section that we just read, one, it's when, Jesus, when Jesus died for your sins past, <coughs> present, and future. Now, some people will argue and say, well, God didn't die for my future sins. Well, you better, you better hope so, because all your sins were in the future tense. So, Jesus died 2,000 years ago. He's not going to die again. So all of your sins were in the future tense. Because nobody watching this video is 2,000 years old. So uh, all of your sins were in future tense. It, past, present, and future. And you're not going to be measuring on how good you were. Or how good you lived. It's not based on you. It's based on Jesus. There's only one person who's perfect. <coughs> and that is Jesus. There's only one person who can make you holy. There's only one thing that can make you holy. It's not your good works, it's Jesus. Now, when you have Jesus, we want you to live good, a godly life, and His grace will teach you how to live that. And that's one thing that we will learn through discipleship as well. But the, the good works is not the source, it's not the seed, it's not the root, it's the fruit. It's called the fruit of holiness, it's called the fruit of righteousness. The fruit is not the source. The, the, the fruit is a byproduct. Uh, I believe if you, if you think right or believe right, if you believe right, you'll think right. And if you think right, you'll live right. Uh, but you got to believe right first. And you can't believe something if you haven't heard it. Uh, you, faith has to have an object. And that object is not you. You're, that object is not you. You're not putting faith in what you do. You're putting faith in what Jesus has done. And that faith in what Jesus has done will transform your life from the inside out, and you'll see their actions. But once you, no matter how bad a life you live, you could be the worst sinner on the world, in the world world, but if you receive Jesus, you 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 are you're you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are forgiven, you are pardoned, you are cleansed, you are holy, you are sanctified. Now, even though you are sanctified, because we're spirit, soul, and body, where, where, where you sanctify, you have to also retrain your mind, and start living a sanctified life, and that's a process. You're born again; you're completely whole, but you have to rethink. I'm no longer God. God and His Word has classified us all as sinners, uh, and that's what we we started from a fallen state, but. Through Christ, we are all righteous. There's a couple different scriptures. There's one in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and another one in verse John chapter 2. But it says that uh, he says that he is not imputing his our sins to us. Why? You know, that word impute, what does that word impute mean? It's, it means to be something to be charged to your account. Uh, that's the simplest way. The one way I can describe this, when you have a credit card, for example, every time you Make a transaction with that credit card. That charge, that transaction is imputed to your uh, account. Every time you pay the credit card, make a payment or pay it off, (coughs) that payment is imputed to your account. All of our sins were put on Jesus' account and he put his righteousness on your account. When you believe the gospel, when you believe in his grace. Uh, and so he he you've been you've been cleansed because he's he took your debt. He took which is he took your penalty, debt which was sin, he took the penalty which is death, and he crucified it on the cross. You how can that be? Well that's just how it is. That's it's that's why it's called the gospel. The gospel means too good to be true news. It sounds too good to be true because it just, there's no way possible. But it is, it's possible, it is true. And when you believe it and trust it, (coughs) you are saved. And when you are saved, you are saved 100%. But now, now we need to learn how to live it. Not to necessarily maintain it, but so the life of God who's in us can live in and through us. Um, Anyway. Uh, that's why you know, you know, it's, it says in Hebrews chapter eight that he will um, he will not remember our sins no more. The the part of the new covenant, part of this gospel that we we preach and teach, is that you um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Is that God doesn't remember your sins no more? He took him, he removed them as far as the east is from the west. And if God's not remembering anymore, then why are we remembering our own sins? Why are we remembering the sins of one another? We have no no business doing that. Now, am I saying that's okay to live any way you want to? No. The Bible says, Awake to righteousness and sin not. It doesn't say sin not to become righteous. It says, Awake, come to the real revelation that you are righteous, and that will enable you not to sin. It says, Walk in the Spirit. And you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Your flesh wants to sin. Your flesh lusts for things. Whether we're talking about immoral things, gossip, uh, different things, our flesh lusts for things. I mean, you just tell a two-year-old not to do something, what do they want to do? They want to do the very thing you just told them not to do. <laughs> uh, and that's our flesh working. You tell someone not to do something, a lot of people in their flesh, they want to do it. Now, I know some of us have self-control, and some of us have self-control because that's one of the fruits of the spirit, temperance. And so and I understand, you know, and we're not again, we're not talking about your goodness. Because you can be good. You you might not you might never kill anybody, you might never steal anything, you might never tell a lie or bear false witness, you might never commit adultery, you could te- keep the Ten Commandments, but that's not gonna get you to heaven. What you do. No, like Andrew said, he said, jerkily, nobody wants to be the best sinner in hell. Doing good stuff is not what saves you. What saves you is Jesus. Jesus is your Savior. And now we want you to do good deeds, but really, and as much as we want to do good deeds, much as we want to live moral and godly lives, that is not the goal of Christianity. That's one of the byproducts of it. And I do, I, do, I do stand for godliness. I do stand for morality. But that's not the goal. The goal is a relationship with God. The goal is a relationship with Jesus. That's the goal. And when we, when we make morality and godliness a, more important than Jesus our relationship with Jesus, something's wrong. I'm all about morality. I'm all about godliness. I'm all about holiness. But that is never exalted over a relationship with God. And that won't make you righteous. That won't make you holy. That won't sanctify you. Yes, we want to live godly lives, but that's a byproduct. But you, what we want to establish in this part of this lesson is that when you receive Jesus, you are holy. You are cleansed. You are righteous, one hundred percent. And uh, and now we're, now that you now we're going to disciple you. So we, once you know who you are. We can then begin to live that life, a righteous life, a godly life. Let me go to one scripture before we go forward. Uh, go to with me. If you have your Bibles, if not, I'll just read it to you. But Ephesians chapter 4. I love this passage of scripture. <coughs> but Ephesians chapter 4, I'm just waiting for my iPad to catch up with me. Uh, I'm going to go to verse, um, chapter 4, I'm going to start with verse 20. So you might beat me there. And I'm going to uh, read it out of the New King James. Okay, there we go. Well, almost. All right. It says, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have in hurt him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct or conversation, as the regular King James was saying, the old man which grows corrupt according to his lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, let me, I read, just read five verses, so let me break it down for you. It starts with uh, by saying, but you have not so learned Christ. That, that phrase, so learned in the Greek is one word. And it and it has to do with being something being imbued, something be saturated. There's a truth. There's a truth that you God wants us to be saturated in. You know when you saturate something? I think of some, even marinating something, you know, like a piece of meat. You just want to marinate in some spices and, and some juices and, and get the flavor in there. You know, sometimes when you're planting a new new plant, like we have some flowers on the counter, but we are saturating them in some water. You know, sometimes you just need to get something saturated real well. Well, there's, some, there's a truth that we want to be saturated. And this truth that we want to be saturated is in Christ. That's what verses 20 and 21 are saying. I like it uh, but because at the end of verse 21, there's a colon. What does that colon mean? The colon means that he's going to expound on, in his next thought, in his next words, he's going to expound on what this truth in Jesus is. There's a truth in Jesus that we are to be saturated in. What is that truth? Well, the colon tells me he's going to tell you what that truth is. That you need to be so imbued, that you need to, be, that you need to so learn. Remember I just said, God didn't call us to make converts. He'd be, he called us to make disciples. There's a, something that we need to be discipled in. There's something that we need to so learn. There's something that we need to be so saturated in. There's something that we need to be taught. You know, it says in, in Second <coughs> Timothy three sixteen and 17, says, "For uh, you don't have to turn there, but it says, for all scripture is, prof- is inspired by God, it's powerful prof- for, for doctrine, doctrine means teaching, for reproof, for correction, for teaching, and righteousness, so the man of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's a righteousness, there's a teaching that we need to so learn. We need to be indoctrinated in. We need to be reproved in. We need to be corrected and <coughs> trained in, so we can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All of us want to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Well, there's a teaching there's a, there, that we need to be. That all Scripture points to. That all scripture indoctrinates and reproves us in. And this truth is in Jesus. What is that truth? Well, verses 22 to 24 tells us what that truth is. And let me just put it in simplest form because I don't want to necessarily confuse with all the reading. This truth that we need to so learn is that we put off the old man and in the spirit of our mind put on the new man. Who is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness? Now let me break this down for you. We need to put off something, and we need to put on something. You know, when you, for example, when you change your clothes, you take put off something, you put on something. You know, it just uh, you don't want to put on something on top of the other clothes. You want you want to take off what you're wearing and change clothes. I'm just using that analogy. I know it's a very basic thing we've learned since we were a child, but. We're putting off something, we're putting it on. Well, th- this is the truth that we need to still learn. We need to put off something, and we need to put on something. And where are we doing this exchange? We're doing it in the spirit of our mind, verse 23. Remember, I've been talking a lot about renewing the mind. We, we do this in our mind. It's a mind thing. It's a mental thing. The Bible says in, in Romans 8, 6, that, to be naturally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. There's something we do in our mind. There's something that we put off in our mind and there's something that we put on in our mind. This is the truth that we need us to learn. We put off the old man. It says here, we put off concerning the former conduct of the old man or the conversation of the old man, which goes corrupt according to see lust. And then we put on the new man who is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. In true righteousness and holiness. Let me deal with the latter first. True righteousness is something you put on. True righteousness is not so much what you do. True righteousness is the new man that you put on. The true righteousness is not what you do, a verb. True righteousness is a noun. It's a who. It's the new man. You're putting on the new man who is created according to God and true right and true righteousness and holiness. True righteousness and holiness is not what you do. True righteousness and holiness is who the new man you put on. If that hopefully that's making sense, I can't see you nodding your head through the video, but I'm I'm trusting you are. So the the true righteousness is a who? I feel like I'm talking Dr. Seuss. You know, a who? It's a who. Ho- and, and 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 if you read the grammar here the righteousness and holiness in this verse are nouns are not verbs now i believe we need to live holy i believe we need to live righteously but that's not the starting point you can't live holy if you're not holy you can't live righteous if you're not righteous that makes sense you can't you can't do something i can't drive a ferrari if i don't have one I can't cook you a hamburger if I don't have some meat and the buns. You know, you can't, I can't do something if I don't have it. I can't play basketball if I don't have a basketball. I can't play baseball if I don't have a bat and a ball and hopefully a glove. You know, you can't play football without a football. I mean, the list goes on. I think you get my point. We put on the new man. Who, who's created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And where do we do this? In our minds. We put off the old and it's not just good, it's not good enough to stop sinning if you don't put on the new man. And if you're putting on the new man, you can't live the new man and the old man. The Bible talks about this, I think, in the book of James, that you know, uh the be you know. To be double-minded is to, is, to, is to, you'll be unstable in all your ways. We need to, we need, the, you know, the Bible says repent and believe the gospel. Repent and be baptized into the name of Jesus. You know what that word repent means, manitonia? It means to change your mind. Yes, yes, we've learned it. We've learned it through the years. That means to change our actions and change our behaviors. I believe that's the end result. I believe that's the byproduct, but that's not what the word means. The word means to change your mind. You can't change your behavior if you don't change your mind. You know, I, I remember hearing a, a funny story uh, years ago about this mom who wanted her toddler to sit down in the back seat. And the toddler, you know, toddlers, just like every adult, can be very stubborn. And this, this toddler did not want to sit down. But finally, this toddler sat down and says, "I might be sitting down on the outside, but I'm not sitting down on the inside." You know, uh, sorry, I'm losing my my train of thought here. Um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought where I was on. I was on a roll, uh, but uh, um, you know, it doesn't do any good. to just put off the old man if we don't put on the new man. We're not. This whole Christianity is not about behavior modification. Yes, we want to change some behaviors. But that's really not the goal. The goal is a changing, the man, changing our identity. The goal is changing our nature. The goal is becoming born again. And if you become born again, change your identity, change your nature, you'll change your behavior. It's the result. It's the byproduct. But we're trying to change the nature. But you, you know, until you change the way you think, you're not going to change the way you live. You know, so I mean, I've seen so many movies through the years, sport athletes and different things, and if you know, Olympians, athletes, if they don't change the way they think, they will They're not going to win. If but they have, I'm not, I'm not going to win. I'm not going. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. If that's the way they think, guess what? chances are very high that they're not going to do it. But if they can start thinking right, they can mess, they can more likely do it right. There's a lot that starts with the thinker. That's why uh, uh, I think, I forget her name now. Um, uh, she's a, a minister, but um, not Beth Moore. Joyce um, Meyer? What? Joyce Meyer? Joyce Meyer. I think she has a teaching on the battlefield of mind, the battles in the mind. And other people have kind of copied that. Or uh, have the same mindset. The battle's really in the mind. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. As a man thinketh, so is he. Uh, and so there's so many scriptures I can point out in that regard. Our born-again nature is changed when we receive Jesus Christ, but we need—we're not going to see the transformation until we renew our mind. And what's that transformation? Putting out the old man. And putting on a new man. This is the truth that we need us to learn. That we're no longer, yes, we were a sinner. We were all sinners. There's none righteous, no, not one. But we have been justified freely by his grace, by the truth as in Christ Jesus. We, we This truth is that we're no longer a sinner. We put that off and we put on a new man. That's what water baptism illustrates. We were crucified with Christ, we're buried with him in baptism. And we are raised together with him in newness and life. Baptism is it's illustrating putting off the old man being buried and putting on the new man being raised up. You know, th- when, when this, this phrase, put off the old man, if you study that in the Greek, it means to cut off. It means to circumcise. Paul talks about this in the book of Colossians. How we are circ- circumcised in the heart. Circumcision and water baptism go hand in hand. We're not talking about the literal means of circumcision, but circumcision is illustrated. There's a cutting off of the old man, and there's a putting on of the new man, which is Christ. When you are baptized, the man coming out of the water is not the man that went into the water. You are a new creation. It says in Second Corinthians five seventeen, "Behold, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus." The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 11, Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin and the to of God in Christ Jesus. Your spirit man, the core you, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. But the real you, the spirit man, is born again when you hear the gospel, believe the gospel, or are saved. Your soul, your mind, will, and emotions needs to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you if you if you're born again and you are transformed by the renewing of your mind, a lot of times your body will follow. That's too. But it will follow. Thanks. thank you. Uh, because it's two out of three, it will follow. Your body will follow what your mind says. <laughs> you know, I know sometimes we can, uh, 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 you know, I can talk to you and you're not listening, uh, type of thing. You know, uh, where, uh, where where our mind is, elsewhere where our body is, whatnot. but your body will follow your most dominant thought. And if your most dominant thought is, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then you'll start living righteously. Because that means, if you have a revelation that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that means you have awakened the righteousness, and if you have awakened the righteousness, you will live sinless. And, you know, time there's times I even fail, even as a pastor, as a born again believer, spirit filled, and knowing I'm righteous. There's times I get my eyes off Jesus and I get my eyes on the flesh or my attitude. You know, there's times I get upset and I say things, do things I shouldn't say or do. You know, what I did in that moment, I forgot who I was. How do I fix it? I realize I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and I, I fix up. God's already recon- God God hasn't imputed any sin to me. It says that in Second Corinthians chapter five verses eighteen and nineteen, and First John chapter two verses one and two, and so and God's not imputing sins to us. He's already imputed them all to Jesus, but we need to know who we are. Now I might need even though I know this relationships right. If I do some, if I sin, I'm going to need to make some horizontal relationships right. If I steal from you, I'm gonna to need to make things right with you. If I lie to you, I'm gonna to need to make some right with you. If I commit adultery, I'm gonna to need to make some things right with us and other people that I have. You know, so so just because I sin, that God, then everything's okay here. Not everything might not be okay now because other people might not be so forgiving. Other people are. We're never promised forgiveness and mercy and, and grace from other people. I believe that's the right way way to, to treat people, but. We, uh, this relationship is fine, but I can, uh, I can destroy other relationships based on my actions. And so, uh, and, and so there's some things I need to do. I can't always fix all of them. I can't make people love me and forgive forgive me, whatever the case, but I know that he is faithful. to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Anyway, anything we want to add?
1: Uh, Just a couple of things. I really like how Andrew says uh, that God declared everyone a sinner, which is true. He goes on to say, but God loved us and wanted to redeem us. And and I get that some people are frustrated over that, you know, why God just doesn't do it for us. But you got to remember when God created us in his image, he also gave us a gift of free will that we get to, to choose uh, death or life. We get to choose, you know, different things and make our way in the world. And yes, it would be so easy if God just did it all for us. And there, there is a verse and, and I uh, didn't look it up, but he doesn't want anyone to perish. But he doesn't. He also doesn't go back on his word so as much as he's given us a gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, he's not making anyone choose his son. He's not making anyone believe. That's something that, that we get to do. But I just loved it that that Andrew points out that God does love us and wants to redeem us. And I get uh, different pastors I've heard uh, Andrew, Dave will say, look at the cross happened 2,000 years ago, so yes, it, it uh, covered our even our future sins. But I want to take you even further back to even before creation. God had this all planned out, all in mind. And it, and it says that Jesus was crucified. Uh, uh, what's that verse?
0: Uh, I am crucified oh,
1: no, 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 Uh, The one where it's before, like, before the foundation of the world, Jesus was crucified for us. Oh.
0: Um, yeah, I can't quote it right now, But,
1: I yeah. mean, that's that's my argument even beyond what Andrew and Dave has said about even, you know, the cross happened 2,000 years ago. So, yes, it covers even our future sin, uh, which that, our... our is such mind-boggling that God would do that, but He even planned it before creation. So that is, to me, is a double whammy. That that uh, if anyone's confused about how God can can forgive future sin uh, by what Jesus did on the cross, but Jesus one sacrifice took care of it all. So it, it's it's all taken care of. And I and I know uh, Dave explained about the putting off of the old man and putting on of the new and he briefly spoke about living holy but I just want to add that the the, the first thing is relationship with Christ. We, we we must believe in him and what he did for us uh, for salvation but then there's that walking out of that salvation that's being that disciple so that we can live holy and, and blameless and, and, and live it out. Dave had a message today that I was listening to and, and he explained um, about the verse where it talks about us uh, working out our own salvation. Um, and if anyone has a question on that, I can point you to which message it is. But it reminded me of If you've ever seen a baby, an egg with a baby chick inside that has not hatched yet, that that baby chick is still there, but it hasn't come out of its shell yet, and it has to work at chipping away that shell so it can hatch and get out of that egg and, and live its life. And that's the same thing with a seed. You plant a seed... But that life in that seed has to burst out of that seed so it can grow and sprout and flourish and have fruit. And, you know, that's, that's what we get to do with our salvation. But that, that being discipled, that renewing our mind, it is a big part of that. And we, of course, first of all, need to know who we are in Christ, like Dave just shared. But in 2 Peter, in chapter 1, it talks about uh, God giving us, through his divine power, all things that pertain to life and godliness. So God has given us everything we need to live holy and righteous lives. But it's through the knowledge of him. And what's that knowledge of him? It's that renewing that mind, that discipling that Dave was just talking about.
0: Uh, I know we got one more section to at least read tonight, but uh, while you were talking, we we're talking about we have a choice. And I just I was reading a Facebook post from uh, one of my favorite speakers, Barry Bennett, today, and I just thought I would echo this because uh, I thought it would kind of fit with what we're talking about. It's titled "God is not the variable." It says, "Why do some believers move from death to life, darkness to light, chaos to order, and depression to joy, while other believers seem to continue?" and uh, the misery of, uh, of chronic failure and lives filled with drama and, and lack. Have not all believers been made new creations? Are we not all filled with very, the very presence and nature of God? Why are the results so different? Does God love some more than others? Or does he treat some better than others? God is not the variable. God is continually and constantly good, Unchanging and has provided for man's every need through the gospel. Understanding the true nature of God, which kind of goes with our Sunday night Bible study, is the first step in breaking free from failure, loss, and heartache. The variable has always been man. Consider the following. My people are destroyed by the lack of knowledge, Hosea 4.6. For the hearts of the people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. And their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them, Matthew 13, 15. And they w- will turn their ears from the truth and be turned aside to, to fables, 2 Timothy 4, 4. They did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved, 2 Thessalonians two ten, The choice is yours. You can choose your future, and your destiny. You can choose to allow the Spirit to love through you. You can choose to receive the joy of the Lord, to renew your mind, to pray the Spirit, to be a doer of the Word, to give and forgive and to live by faith. God is not the variable in our lives. I mean, so God is not the variable in our lives. God, grace is, is, is a constant... Say, I, I, I misread that. God is not the variable of life. Grace is constant, abundant, provision for every need. The variable is our will. We choose to be passive or active in our relationship with God. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Now, I know that hits some other truths that I'm not going to go into. But, you know, the choices are. We we need the first. We're talking about the new use. I want to bring this back. We're talking about who we are when we're born again. The first thing we have to do is receive Christ. But once we receive Christ, we need to be discipled in who we are. And you will do that the rest of your lives. It's not like you just find a place and you arrive and you're fine. If you arrive but you stop being discipled, you'll go you'll cold. It's just like a plant. You stop watering it, you stop watering in the grass, it will turn brown. It was green yesterday. It was green last week. You stop watering it, it will grow faith. Same thing with us. Than any animal, any any person, any living thing. You stop feeding it, you stop watering it, you stop being in the Word, you stop having a relationship with God, you'll go south. Some of us, so there's a difference between hearing the gospel and believing the gospel. Some people choose to live it, some people choose to, to walk it, some people choose to receive it. And I know there's some different. Uh, uh, circumstances will not, but it comes down to, it's our choice. But we need to hear, it. you should know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth can't set you free if you don't know it. The truth can't set you free if you don't, if, if you don't and, the, and the, really the, the passage I just quoted from the truth will set you free, it says, and you shall be my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth. It starts with discipleship. It starts with, and how can you be discipled if you don't have a diet? How can you be discipled if you don't have a pastor? How can you be discipled if you don't have a regular diet? You know, I've learned everything. I've learned to become a notary, and an apostille, and some people don't know what that is. I've learned everything. I've learned accounting. I've learned things because I've studied it. I know. I quote a lot of scripture, people say. How do I know? Because that's what I live. Other people I know, they can quote ba- baseball, football stats. <coughs> they can tell me movies and movie stars and, and all other kinds of trivia. You know I can't win in a trivia game. You'll win. I don't know any trivia. Uh, I know some answers, and every, yeah, even a blind squirrel can get catch a nut once in a while. Uh, but I, I, but you give me a Bible trivia game, I have a chance of winning because i I just studied it. I used to memorize scripture intentionally back in in my childhood days, and I'm all for memorizing scripture. Don't get me wrong. But I don't even memorize scripture anymore. I just know it because I live and breathe it all day long. I do some other things. I have other jobs and vocations, but I'm I'm always in the Word. I'm always thinking Scripture. I I mean I've been doing that uh, for years, and so I just know it. But you know, even though I've been doing it for years, there have been seasons of my life, even in my adult years, where I just even as a pastor, I wasn't I wasn't as sharp as I I am am at times because I just. I was, I was wallowing in my, my issues of life and, and whatnot, and I just, what I, you know, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. We can choose to walk in joy, or we can choose to pout. We can, you know, you, not, that's not always received if you're having a bad attitude. You know, you try to encourage someone who's having a bad attitude, a lot of times they're like a dog, they'll, they'll, they'll bite back. But anyway, I get a lot of different side trails, but we have a choice. But we need to, it starts with being born again and it starts with being learning who we are. We're, we're learning who God is and we're learning who we are. But if you have a, a misconstrued conception of who God is, if you have a misconstrued conception of who you are and who other people are, you're, you're going to have a tough time seeing this thing work. We need to know who he is. And when we know who he is, we'll know who we are. And when we know who he is and who we are, this thing can begin to work. And we understand those laws of the kingdom. Just like there's a law of gravity, there's how things work. There's just some some facts of life. It's how the world turns. It's just how it works. You reap what you sow. And so, uh, if you want a friend, be a friend. There's all kinds of facts of life and just how it works. Gravity, you know. You can say, I don't believe in gravity. I don't believe in gravity. Well, you just jump out of an airplane, and, and your belief—we're not going it still works. Gravity works. Lift and thrust work. The 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 thermodynamics works. Once the engine stops working on the airplane, gravity will kick in. It will work. But there's also laws of the kingdom, and there's just how it's how it works. And you have to be born again, and you need to be discipled, and, you, and nothing will happen outside of a relationship with God. You need to abide in Him. You need to have a relationship with God. And ha- going to church, being in the Word, having a good pastor, fellowshipping with other believers is going to help you stay in the Word. They're not, some of these things that I mentioned are not the source. Other believers are not my source. Uh, and other things are not my source, but some of these things will help. And even having a church is not my source. The church is not my source. It's powerful, but some of these resources will help me stay in the source. Will help me stay plugged in. It's like it's like my phone. If I don't plug it in every so often, the battery just is not going to work. I need to stay plugged in. And so I don't want to be in church all the time. I got a life to live. I have things to do, but I need to have a regular diet. Of the word of of, of of the word, I need to have regular friendships. You know, I need to have friends with the world so I can reach the world. But I also need to have regular friendships that encourage me. I need to encourage others, and people need to encourage me. That's just how, that's one thing how the it works. God has not called you know God has not called you to be saved and you live isolated. That's not Christianity. That's not how it's supposed to work. It's not you for you for no more. It's not. It's not about you. You are part of it. God loved you. He died for you. You were worth dying for. But God wants to. He wants you for relationship. But He wants to fill you so He can use you. You know, you might not be the next Billy Graham. You might not be on the platform uh, or in the spotlight. But God can use you to reach your neighbor. God can use you to reach your family. God can use you. You know some uh, of you don't have some of those things some of you, there's strife or family feuds going on but God can use you to reach somebody and uh, you know, it's like the boy I heard it, all these uh, sea, uh, uh, starfish were on the seashore and he was picking them up one by one, throwing them back in the sea trying to save them and this older gentleman came by and told us, said son, you can't save them all so the little boy reached down grabbed another one, threw, and he said no but I can save this one and so you know you you can't you might not be able to save everybody, but you can save one life at a time. And it's gonna be hard to minister to other people if you're not don't know who God is and you don't know who you are and you don't have a relationship with God. Jesus said, "Apart from me, you can't do anything. You can't live holy. You can't live righteous. You can't live a godly life. You can't see. You need to have a relationship with God and good teaching and whatnot. Anyway." Make sense? I know you understand it because you live with me. But but, uh, anyway, uh, let's read this last section, uh, Choose Life.
1: Even though you're completely forgiven, it matters how you live. You have an enemy who is committed to your destruction. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. John 10.10. The choices you make determine whether you experience life or death. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Romans 6.16 Yield to sin, and you're yielding to the one whose revealed purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy you. Sin gives the devil a foothold in your life, and he'll take full advantage of it. If you sin, simply repent. God will never leave you nor forsake you. He's already forgiven you. So don't fall for the deception that he doesn't love you or that you'll lose your salvation. God the Father already rejected and judged Jesus so you wouldn't have to be rejected and judged. Change your mind and turn from the sin. Declare Satan, I rebuke you. The blood of Jesus has set me free. Even though I didn't do what was right, you cannot destroy me. God loves me, and I choose to follow him. This prevents Satan from gaining entrance into your life. Don't let the devil take advantage of you by you ignoring the way God shows you how to live. Renew your mind to his word and act on it in faith. The abundant life Jesus provided is yours to enjoy.
0: Okay, all right, thank you. Uh... Well, a lot of that what we just read is almost a piggyback, and just what we just talked about. You know, especially the title, "Choose Life." You know, um, you know, we have a choice. The choice is ours. We we we, we, we can choose to live. You know, and uh, I know it, 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 every once in a while, uh, most of us get into a rut. You know, we we just seem like we hit a wall or something. We can't see breakthrough in a certain area, and you know, or, you know. Uh, uh, another thing that he talked about, too, is, uh, you know, sin is still deadly. Even though this relationship's okay, if you are sinning, you're going to open an inroad to the devil. And he can he can have a heyday. But if you find yourself sinning or sinned or, or someone, all you have to do is repent, change your mind, and get and, and ask God to help you. He'll help you. He'll teach you. He'll teach you how to live a guy's life. He'll, he'll, he'll switch. He'll, he can turn the circumstance around in different Now, I know some of the circumstances have to do with other people, you know, and you're just going like to have to let God do a work in other people. But, you know, your, your life does not have to be shipwrecked because of others. And I know sometimes these things are because of family. You know, that, that, you know we're getting into the holidays here, and that can become a very sensitive subject, and I understand. You know, I'm, we're, we're fortunate we both have uh, families that love each other. But we've, we've had some, uh, uh, especially on one side of the family, we, we've had some black sheep in the family to speak. And if they're listening, I'm not trying to speak negatively to anybody, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm trying to connect with people, that's what I'm trying to get at. You know, and I understand there's situations and there's complicated. But my life, is, really when it comes down to it, my life is not dependent on anyone else. It's dependent on my relationship with God, and even if everyone else hates me, God loves me, and He accepts me. And my life doesn't have to be shipwrecked because of people hate me or dislike me or whatnot. We've had some situations where people have been uh, ultimately cruel to us, but our life is not based on them. You know, no one died and made them king. And so, uh, you know, and so God's my king; He's my Lord. And if you know if the, if, if the families get won't love you, God can bring you to the family of the body of Christ. And I know sometimes even there there's problems, in some churches and some some fellowships. You know, you know, <coughs> Lawson Purdue. He's one of our favorite pastors. He is our pastor, and uh, he says where you have sh- where you have sheep you're gonna have manure. <laughs> you know, and you know, and there's been a lot of pastors through the years. That says, you know, ministry would be so fun if it wasn't for the people. Because if there's no people, there's nothing to minister. But when you have people, you're gonna have problems. It's just a fact of life. And I'm not picking on everybody because, you know, Austin will be the first to say, if you, you know, if you come to this church and you talk about his church, but it he applies here too. If you come to this church looking for problems, you're gonna find it, and you probably brought it with you. But but if you are looking for what's good in this church, you're going to find that too. You know, there's some people, all they're looking for is what's wrong. And there's some people that are only looking for what's right. You know, uh, there's good and bad in every... uh, There's not a perfect church out there. There's not a perfect family out there. There's not a perfect person out there. I'm talking about the flesh. But we need to learn how to get along. How do we get along? We need to know who we are. We love because He first loved us. If we don't, if we don't. We can't love ourselves. We can't love others until we know His love for us. But the Bible even says in Galatians five eight, faith works by love. Until you understand love, when I find out people have a faith problem, I find out they really have a love problem. It's not about them loving God. I'm not talking about you loving God. Yes, I know we need to love our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, love neighbor as ourselves. But we need to learn how God loves us. Until you know how much God loves you. You can't love God. You can't love others like you should. It won't work. Because if you're loving God without God, then that's self-righteousness. And this Bible says it's a bunch of filthy rags. Now, now you know that term, I don't want to be crude, but that, that term filthy rags, it means feminine, feminine cross. That's filthy rags. You know, and I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be crude, but that's what, that's what the phrase means. You know, and we're not, we're not, we don't want to be filthy rags. We're the righteous God in Christ Jesus. If there's any good in me, it's not because of me. It's because of Christ in me. And I, if I'm, but I, if you understand God's love, God's love never fails. And you can love others. You can love yourself. You can love God. But if you if you don't get the first, you know, it's like baseball. You can't get the second base until you get the first base. You can't get the third base until you get the first and second base. You have to start with knowing God loves you. But once you know God loves you and you know the truth, then you just choose. You know, when a circumstance comes my way, maybe it's a bill, maybe it's a financial thing, maybe it's a relationship thing. Maybe it's a sickness, or maybe it's a doctor's report. Maybe it's all of the above, all at one time, like Job. You know? I can choose to go into worry and fear. I can choose to get angry. I can choose to, to take it into my own situation and resolve it and get, let my flesh react and respond. Or I can choose to trust God. Now, there might be something I need to do. God will tell me if I need to participate. Or he will tell me a times stand still. There's been there's been some situations in recent years. God says I got this. You know sometimes we listen to him. Sometimes we picked up the pieces and we tried to fix it, and we made a bigger mess. <laughs> you know it's it's like uh, it's like that little handyman thing. That if you don't know how to fix it, you try to fix it, you break it even more. You should have called the handyman. <laughs> should have called the plumber. You should have called. Uh, 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 Dr. Phil or somebody, you know, uh, but you try to fix it yourself and you just made it worse. And, you know, that's how, how we are sometimes with cars and different things. We just got to learn we, I'm not a mechanic. I'm not a handyman. I can fix some things. I can demolish. I can't fix some things for that. Uh, some things I can, but some things I can't, you know, but anyway, um, anything to share?
1: Yes, I want to piggyback on what Andrew shared in that last section about uh, rebuking the devil and I just just please hear my heart because I, I agree with what Andrew said. Don't get me wrong. I believe that we do need to realize That he is our enemy, that he does come to still kill and destroy, and that we are to rebuke him, and that we are to declare that the blood of Jesus has set us free. But I want to encourage you, don't put your focus on only rebuking the enemy. In James 4, verse 7, it says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Almost anybody except for Dave that I've heard speak on this verse only focus on resisting the devil and he'll flee from you. They seem to forget the submitting to God, which is the first part of that verse. And I, I just, ever since I heard Dave speak on it and preach on it and share about it it has transformed my life because that submitting to God is such a big deal you know in, um, in John I think it's chapter 8 Jesus himself says and you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free that knowing that Jesus is saying is there the gnosko, in the the, the Greek, close enough. Close enough. Uh, that that's knowing as an, an intimate knowing, like a man and his wife. That knowing the truth, the and it's that knowing of that truth uh, that shall make you free. And when you bring it back to the verse in James about submitting to God. You're submitting to what his word says. His word says Jesus' blood has set you free. His word says by his stripes we're healed. His word says all the promises of God are yes and amen. And me submitting to the truth, submitting to God, is taking that word of God and knowing it so intimately that that is, Satan can't take that seed and still kill and destroy it. That knowing, that submitting to God is, God, your word is first. What you said is truth. I, I get what I see in my circumstances. I get what I see and feel in my body. But your word says, and just living, eating, breathing God's word, what God's word says about a situation, that God, that the peace of God that is dwelling in your heart, that's what you're going to submit to. And that submission to God is is what resists the devil and he can't stand it and he has to flee.
0: You know, again, you know, we just piggyback on that. I could teach for hours on this. But uh, you know, we're, let's just say you are dealing with a sickness, a doctor's report, or you got some symptoms of COVID or whatever the case may be. You, you got these symptoms. The doctor says this. Your lab work says this. But the Bible says, by his stripes you are healed. I'm going to submit that by his stripes I am healed. And based on that submission, I resist the devil. I'm, I'm not resisting the devil on my own two feet. I'm just resisting the devil because I'm submitting to God. I'm submitting to God. My God shall supply my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And based on that submission, I'm resisting the devil. Submission comes first, <clears throat> you know. I had a we had a gal come to our church uh, a few years ago, and she she said, and based on the church that she came from and whatnot, uh, she was taught. Every, she said about once a month, every so often, about every every few weeks. She would be woken up in the middle of the night and the devil or demon or whatever would just want to wrestle with her. She would do, and she would just do spiritual warfare like she was taught, rebuking that devil, rebuking that demon. And she would go all night doing this thing. And finally I said, You know, how's that working for you? And she goes, Not too well because I don't get any sleep. It happens about one, one night every month. I go, when you spend all night rebuking the devil, who's getting all the attention? The devil. I go, what if instead of rebuking the devil all night, you just start worshiping God? Get your attention off the devil and get your attention on God. Get your focus on him. What if you did that? And the, 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 the devil wants to hang around a worship service? <laughs> By all means. I, you know, but I don't think he will. You start worshiping God, he's going to be gone in a flash. And so she, she, the next time it happened, she just started worshiping God, and she never had another problem with that ever again. We spend so much time rebuking the devil. And I'm not saying he's not a real, real foe, but get your focus on God. I had another gentleman come to me a few years ago and said, you know, I, we got this spirit and got that spirit and got this spirit. He says, and I said, I looked. I just looked at him and said, "You know what? Well, I got the greatest spirit of all—the Holy Spirit—and the Holy Spirit trumps all every 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 other spirit. I don't care whatever spirit it is, whatever its name is, it's got to bow to the name of Jesus." And so, so I'm not, I, I'm not, you know. I, I, yes, we rebuke the devil. I'm not, I'm not eliminating that. And, that, and that, and that resisting the devil. If you study it out, means to actively fight against. It's not just a casual thing. But it doesn't start there. It starts with submitting to God. And so, you know, that needs to be our focus. We don't need to be looking for the devil under every rock. We need to be looking for Jesus. And when you don't know what to do, call, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so, again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, what I'm saying here. Yes, we need need to rebuke the devil. And yes, we can cast him out. And yes, we can cast out demons. The Bible says that. It's very clear. But at the same point in time, your focus, your dominant thought, is to exalt the name of Jesus and to to, to worship Him and keep your focus on Him and worship Him. Don't give the devil all the attention. I've gone to some church services, and they're rebuking the devil all this. and that. they 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 gave the devil the whole service; he got all the attention. And so again, I'm not, you know I'm not. There's a time and there's a place for that, but the 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 God's going to get my allegiance. God's going to get all my attention. There's a time and a place, but I'm talking about balance. I'm talking about priorities. And I'm talking about exalting and magnifying the Spirit of God, the living God, the Word of God, the, the Son of God. More than the something the God. He is the God of this world. Go with me, I'm trying to wrap up, but go with me real quick to uh, I'm gonna wrap up here. Second Corinthians chapter four. And again, if you don't have your Bible, I'll read it to you. Second Corinthians chapter four. I wish I had more time. I could explain a little bit of the context a little bit better. But I'm gonna pick it up in verse uh, three. But even if our gospel is veiled, <coughs> it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds—excuse <coughs> <coughs> me—I got a little worked up a minute ago. Whose minds the god of this age has blinded who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God should shine on them. There's some more here. I wish I had more time to read more of the context. But it says whose minds, the God of this age, it's lower G, not big G, so it's talking about the devil, talking about Satan, the God of this age has blinded. Satan wants to blind your mind. We're talking about renewing the mind tonight. He wants to blind your mind from the gospel of Christ. He says, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. Why are they perishing? Because the God of this age has blinded them from from the who who do not believe. It's not about the devil. It's about the devil blinding your mind from believing. Lest the light Of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. The light is stronger. Light is stronger than darkness. God never created darkness, He created light. Darkness, scientifically speaking, is just the absence of light. You ever gone into a light, will expel darkness? You ever go into a dark room and turn on the light? How fast does that darkness go away? That darkness goes away a lot faster than that darkness came. How do you get rid of darkness? Shine the light, which is the gospel. Uh, the gospel is, I like this, that's the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Who? The gospel's not an it. The gospel is a who. It's Jesus. It's the image of God. Satan wants to blind your mind from believing the gospel and when you believe the gospel you won't perish. And I'm not just talking about hell but there's people who are perishing all the time with all kinds of sickness, disease, strife and all kinds of evil works. (coughs) But the gospel will shine on them. It's not just saying the word gospel it's preaching the gospel the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. And (coughs) And the gospel is not just an it excuse me the gospel is a who? It's a, it's a person. And when you shine the gospel, and the Bible says, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, we are the light of the world. We have the, this light. This, it goes on to say that we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to everyone who believes. To everyone who believes, it's power. But the devil wants to blind your mind from believing the gospel. The devil is out to kill, steal, and destroy. But his number one tactic is so you don't believe the gospel. There's some people playing all kinds of religious games and different things. They're not a threat to his kingdom. But those who are preaching the gospel are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. He doesn't mind you playing all kinds of uh, hocus-pocus games as long as you're not preaching the gospel. And I, again, I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to uh, playing with any type of uh, demonic stuff. Is 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 bad? For example, we don't let Harry Potter in this house. We don't let. We don't do other things of that nature. We don't do Pokemon, uh, which, if you really study out, it has a very demonic origin. At the same point in time, I'm not here magnifying Harry Potter and Pokemon. I'm here magnifying Jesus. We don't talk about that a lot. But we don't put up with that stuff. It's demonic, and we don't, we, we don't, we, we don't, we don't have it. People might not agree with me, and that's fine. Uh, I, I don't. I, I'm not going to argue with you. But uh, you know, uh, anyway, we, we 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 preach Jesus. And uh, uh, anyway, I got on so many side tracks. but I won't go back to what she said. and We're ending it with this: submit to God. You're not going to be able to submit to God if you don't know what the Word of God says. You're not going to be able to submit to it if you're not being discipled. You need to. It's hard to submit to something you don't know what it is. But I know that I don't have to put up with sickness. You know, I don't. You know, I I keep having to cough from speaking, but I don't. I don't get the flu. I don't get the cold. I'm not going to get COVID. I haven't had a cold or flu since 2009, and I'm not going to start now. You know. um, Andrew Womack, who wrote this book, hasn't been sick for 40 years. He's not going to start now. I think it maybe once or twice he was sick, but that's because he did something foolish. One time it was below, it was freezing outside, and he was working in the middle of his pond. And trying to fix the pond. You know, you just don't, and I was out there uh, uh, several days of traveling and no sleep. And so anyway, we've got to wrap it up. I think I went over, I'm not sure, but anyway... Uh, let me just pray this out. Lord, we, just, we will worship you. We magnify you. We glorify you. Lord, we continue to pray for our nation as you bring the truth out in this election. We thank you for exposing the lies and deception and all the cheat that went on. And, Lord, we thank you for bringing justice and truth. And I thank you, Lord, uh, uh, for uh, our nation. We bless it. We bless God. Bless America. And we bless it, and God we trust, and united we stand. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks for everything. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you on Sunday morning. Amen.